Well, good morning again. How are you guys feeling? Hey, if you guys have a Bible, I would love for you guys to open it up to Judges chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 12. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to uh, just throw your hand up and it'll be a gift uh, from ours to use. We'd love for you to, to read through it. There's a lot of really good stuff in it. And we'll be in, uh, again, Judges chapter 3, uh, verse 12. Uh, one quick thing before we really jump into it, I just want to say, man, God has been uh, just blessing Two Rivers, and we are just super thankful for it. And part of that is, man, we have a, a new building project that is still underway that we are excited about through this uh, Fearless campaign. And in the meantime, we still have a ton of people that have been uh, showing up Sunday mornings that we are excited about. And I'm, I know you might have seen it's gotten a little crowded. Uh, so just as a reminder, uh, if you guys... I know the, the aisle seats are the best seats because it's the quickest to leave. But if you wouldn't mind being able to just kind of squeeze in so we can really pack the house uh, just as we get ready for Easter, we would love that. Uh, but my name is Micah Seth. I am the youth minister here at Two Rivers. And I'm excited to be continuing in this series in Judges. We've been in it for a past few weeks now, but uh, Dave last week, he went through the trials that the Israelites had faced when they had forgotten who God was. And because of that, they turned away from him. And what happened is they, they faced destruction under the power and the rule of Kusan, and they were under his control for eight years. Eight years. And after that eight years, they cried out to God, and God delivered them through Othniel, a judge who, after he rescued the Israelites, they had peace for 40 years, right? And so after that 40 years of peace, after the passing of Othniel, that's where we're starting in Judges chapter 3, verse 12. And I want to read through that real quick as we go into it. But it says this. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel, getting the Ammonites and the Almakites to join them. Eglon came and attacked Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms, which is basically the city of Jericho. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. And we've been in this series in Judges for a few weeks now. One tagline or thing that we talk about each week that you might have been familiar with is the redemption cycle. That's something that we have kind of labeled this series. And redemption is basically just a word that we use, meaning being saved from evil or sin, being redeemed. And what the redemption cycle is, when you look at it for face value of what it is, it's basically this beautiful image of God's commitment and God's love for his people. That's what the redemption cycle is. It's an image of God. How he continuously saves the Israelites despite their sin and their desire to follow the ways of the world, he would redeem them from their evil ways when they would call out to God. The redemption cycle is a portrayal of God and God's grace, his justness, his holiness, and his love. And on the flip side, when we talk about the redemption cycle, there's another cycle that we find the Israelites facing, and that is the sin cycle. And the sin cycle is more a portrayal of us, right, of man, of humans, and our desires to follow our own way what feels right to us, right? Like how we want to live our lives and, and what the world can offer us is more needed for us than what our creator can, right? The sin cycle is a super dangerous, it's a prevalent, and it's just a destructive cycle that pulls us further and further away from a relationship with God. And so this morning, as we go through and continue through Judges chapter three, our focus is gonna remain on the sin cycle, 
And what I want to go through this morning is what is sin? What is the sin cycle? And how do we break that cycle? And so sin, simply put, for those who aren't fully sure what sin is, it's kind of a church word, is, is basically any action or thought that goes against who God is, any action or thought that is not holy. And sin, when we look at it from that viewpoint, is something that we face daily, right? Henry Nouwen, uh, one of my favorite authors, I love reading his stuff, he writes this book called Spiritual Direction, and he talks about sin uh, in this book, and I want to just kind of read through what he has to say about sin. He says this, he says, sin has a tendency to take you further than you want to go. Sin will hold you tighter and hold you longer than you would ever want to stay, and it will cost you more than you are ever able to pay. And we all, when faced with sin, I feel like we tend to fail to realize how destructive it really is. Why? Why is it so easy for us to fall into this trap, fall into this cycle of sin? I feel like the, the easy answer is because it's fun, right? Like it's a quick fix for issues that we have. Like it's something that, that, that we are enticed to, that we want to follow and we want to pursue. We don't really run to sin because we think it's gonna hurt us or we think it's gonna separate us from God. We don't think it's gonna do any harm. And sin is so easy to fall to because when faced with temptation, it's basically just the pulling of our minds of what does God want for my life and what do I think I want for my life? or what feels right to me right now. And, uh, and temptation, kind of another church word, basically the enticement to sin. It's not wrong to feel temptation, but what temptation is, it's guiding you towards a sinful direction. Temptation has a way of making sin appear that it's in our best interest, right? Like that it's not really gonna be that bad, or honestly, if you play your cards right, it's gonna end up better for you in the long run. And when we go to the start of the sin cycle, basically where it all began, one thing I want to point out is what is the goal of sin? What is sin's purpose? What is its design? What is it doing to us spiritually and physically and mentally? And when we find the answer of what the goal of sin is, we, we see it at the start of the cycle. We go back to the garden. And what we see is we see Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden, they're in perfect relationship with God. And and when God created them, he wanted them to obey and to follow him. He wanted to be in relationship with his creation, but not out of being forced, but out of choosing to be with him. And so that tree that was in that garden wasn't just a test, but it was a choice given to his creation to follow his direction. And then what happens is a serpent comes and, and, and starts to deceive and trick and lie and, and give this portrayal of what this tree is in a false view. What it says is, you know, like, did, did God really say that, right? Like, I, I don't really think it's gonna be that bad if you go against God. Like, if anything, it's, it's for your benefit, right? Think about all the knowledge you're gonna gain from this. It's, it's, it's only helping you. And the thing is, when being faced with temptation and sin is we do forget what the objective or the goal of sin is, we sometimes think that sin is kind of just a distraction from God or maybe like a, a step in the wrong direction. But in Genesis 3, it says that God, because of their actions, banished them from the garden. So at the start of this cycle, this sin cycle, where it all began, we see that the goal of sin is not distraction, but it's separation. 
When we start the sin cycle and giving into temptation, it starts with separation from God. And when we go through this story in Judges, we see that the start of this sin cycle is separation. In Judges chapter three, verse 12, it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. There was a separation between them and God. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again, they followed their own path. Again, they chose sin over God. Again, they worshiped false idols and they were living a life that was not pleasing to God. And so God allowed them because of their free will to make that choice. But with that choice and because of that choice, it brought separation between them. The sin cycle started and left them with a barrier that they were no longer in community with God. Sin has a tendency to take you further than you want to go. What does that mean? Well, sin from the viewpoint of temptation is, is not a bad thing at all. It, it's appealing. It, it seems fun. But more often than not, when we give in to sin, it kind of causes this chain reaction of other sins that winds up in a place where we never really agreed to go, right? The Israelites, they, during that, that 40 years of peace, right, after Othniel, that 40 years of peace, I would imagine right when they were delivered, the next day, they weren't like, all right, back to where we started, and they, they went straight 180. I would imagine it was over time, right, where, where what was happening to them is, is it started with an idea, there were, there were people in the surrounding areas that were worshiping other gods, and they're kind of like, I didn't really think about it like that. Like, that seems kind of fun. That seems different. Like, you know, I, I understand that God has been faithful. He's been for us, but this is just different. It's kind of enticing. And, and you know, weeks, months, and years pass, and more and more people start to get on board. It begins to spread. And they start to have their actions resemble their evil as they bring more sin to the Israelites, where some of the, the worship that they would give these false idols was, had to do with either sexual sin or the way that they would treat one another, the way that the, the view of marriage was held. It was all sinful towards God, but to these false idols, it was a form of worship. So they brought more sin into the people. And I feel like we today, the sin cycle isn't different. We're faced with the same cycle that corrupted the Israelites. It just targets us differently right? Like, like it's still one of those things where, where you start with an idea and it continues to spiral until you end up in a place that you didn't fully agree to go. One of them might be, man, like you get, you get home from work, it's been a long day, and all you want, you're like, man, we're having tacos tonight. I just want a beer with my tacos. That's all I want. I just want a drink. So you go and you, you have dinner, dinner finishes up and you're kind of like, well, I'll, I just want one more. So you go and you get another one, and then you're like, well, I'm, this next one I'm just going to sip on, and I'll make it last longer. But you don't. And so you finish that one, and you're kind of like, well, I don't really want my spouse or my family to see this next one. So you kind of sneak the next one and, and take it somewhere where, where they won't see it. And, and you wind up, before you know it, you're, you're, you're in a place where you're tipsy. And, and the way that you uh, articulate your emotions, the way that you uh, talk to people is just differently. You don't have a filter. And so what happens is you offend your partner or offend somebody in the household and you start a fight because of it, right? Your actions, you don't have as much discipline or self-control. So you look at a profile on Facebook or Instagram that you know you shouldn't be looking at and you wake up the next morning with a headache and you just don't feel good and you just keep telling yourself, I just wanted a drink for dinner. What happened, 
right? Sin has a tendency to take you further than you want to go. For some of us, it might have started with a lie, right? Like, did you do that house project? Did you do that chore? Of course I did. Or like, did you do that, that paperwork at work? Of course. And so when you, when you start that lie, it begins to cycle and, and flow down into more ways that you need to cover this up or more ways that you need to pile on to, like, man, I got to cover up my mess. And it winds up getting you into a bigger mess because there's more people that are brought into on it and more lies that you're like, I can't remember what I said did, did I tell the truth or did I lie about this one? And you're trying to figure out what people know and they don't know. And all because you agreed to this one lie, it has now taken you to a place where you did not want to go. Right? Big one. It could be you, you, uh, you have a coworker that comes and talks to you and, and they share something in confidence and they just need advice. And so you go to your work bestie and you're like, hey, did you hear what happened? And, and what happens is you're gossiping, right? So you go and you tell them what happened. Somebody walks in and they're like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And you're like, oh, you didn't hear. And so then that starts to spread and it, it goes about the office and all of a sudden, everybody in the office knows. And now there is broken trust between that one person that just wanted to tell you something in confidence. Sin has a tendency to take us further than we wanna go. And because of that, because the Israelites were, were in a place where, again, they didn't just do a straight 180. Over time, they allowed sin to fester and grow until there was a, a full separation from God. It says this in Judges 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 13. It says, getting the Ammonites and the Almakites to join them, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years years. I want you to think about that. 18 years of separation from God because they chose their own path. They chose their own desires. They allowed sin into their hearts and God being just, God being holy allowed that. And it caused them to stay in a place longer than they had imagined. 18 years. And sin has a tendency to hold us tighter and keep us longer than we want to stay. Right, we see it with the Israelites, right, 18 years apart from God because of their decisions to allow sin to corrupt their direction, pulling them from the Lord. But even for us, we see temptation being pleasing to our eyes and we want to follow it and just see where it takes us. But it always ends in destruction. And for some of us, that destruction hasn't been rebuilt. That the destruction you're still living in over years, even when you were younger, sin that has that has kept you when you were younger, you're still facing when you're an adult. It could be a, a commercial or a, a movie, a, a music video, a magazine, whatever, that you stared at a little longer than you should have when you were younger. And that idea of, of looking at a man or looking at a woman in that specific way just kind of intrigued you. And so your search for lust started, right? And so what would happen is over the years, you, you started looking up different photos or, or looking up different things on your phone. And then it became video after video after video after video from middle school to high school to college to marriage to your family. And you're still struggling with it. And because of that, that, that movie or that commercial or that music video, you are now in a place where sin has kept you longer than you could ever imagine. And it started your five, 10, 15 year addiction to porn. For some of us, it could be that, 
That first drink that compiled to an addiction to uh, alcohol, it could be drugs, could be anger. For some of us, it's like, man, the first time that you lashed out at somebody in anger, you felt bad, but it kind of felt good, where you're like, man, I could say whatever I want to people if I don't like them, or I could, I could if I don't really want to talk to this person, I could just ignore them or, or show judgment towards them. And so what happens is over time, you begin to f- be fueled with judgment or hatred because that desire for power, that desire for control just got the best of you. And now over the next couple of years, you find it's hard to build relationships. And you're kind of just like, now, because I've been in that sin for so long, I just don't know how to treat people. I don't know what that looks like. Sin tends to hold you longer than you could have wanted. And the Israelites, because of their sin, it took them further than they wanted to go, and it kept them longer and held them tighter away from God. But what happens in in Judges chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. It says, again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Ger the Benjamite, And the Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. It says again, the Israelites, they cried out to God. They, after 18 years of being a slave to the ways of the world, that started with their sin, because of that sin cycle, they cried out to God for help. They didn't know what to do. They were filled with regret. They were filled with shame. They were afraid and they felt alone in their state. And so they cried out to God and God heard them. God rescued them. God gave them a deliverer. And so sin, the last thing is it costs us more than we are ever able to pay. The issue is we don't ever really weigh the cost. We talk about the cost of sin. Before we we make that decision, Before we're faced with temptation and we jump into sin, we don't ever weigh the cost of sin before we give in to temptation. And because of it, we don't really face reality with it before we're struck with it, before we're stuck with it. And this is what we tend to do. Hopefully at this point, you've noticed that there are two ladders up on stage. And if you haven't, oh, that's really wobbly. If uh, if you haven't, then you need to wake up from your nap. But, um, But I saw this dude do an analogy similar to this. And I figured this ties in perfectly with what we're about to talk about. When we talk about these ladders, I want you to think of the word direction, right? So you have two different directions that we tend to climb. And this one has to do with our direction, our our decisions. I want to handle finances my way. I want to handle my marriage, my family my way. I want to climb up the corporate ladder, make as much money as I want, and I want to do it the way that I want to do it. I want to treat people the way that I see fit. And so this has to do with the ways of the world, right? Different influences that we see on TikTok or Instagram, different influences from coworkers or different ideas where you're like, oh, I kind of like that, and you adopt it as your own. And these are the different influences that we face that, that help us climb this ladder of our decision, our direction. And on this side, you have the direction of God, right? Making his desires our desires, the things that he loves, we love. The things that he hates, we hate. And this is basically saying, hey, this is not my will, but God's will. I wanna find my purpose through God, not my purpose in what I wanna do, but my purpose in God's direction. So that's the distinction between the two ladders. This is what God has for my life, 
and this is what I want and what I want to pursue for my life. And what happened with the Israelites is after 40 years, right? So Othniel came and delivered them. And so what happens is over the, the course of 40 years, they started to climb the ladder of God's direction. And what they would do is they, they'd follow the text. They'd follow the law. They would continue to make sacrifices for him. They'd continue to pray for him or pray to him. They would continue to be in community with him. And they continue to climb this ladder of God's will and God's direction. But what happens is, is they got FOMO and fear of missing out. And they started looking at this, if you didn't know what FOMO was, they started looking at this other ladder. And they're like, man, look at what these other people are doing. That is enticing. That looks fun. That looks different. I, I kind of want to just see what, what they're about. And so what they did is they, they began to kind of pursue their desires. They took the influence of the world, the influence of, of the people that were around them, and they said, I want to kind of be a part of that. And so they continued to climb this ladder, but what happened is they see that there's this separation, and they realize that they cannot get back to God's direction. They made the choice, their decision to be influenced by the world, influenced by the cultures that were around them. They began to be influenced by sin, and their direction shifted, and it left them separated from God. And so after 18 years, 18 years of being separated from God, God heard his people. He heard them cry out. And what he did is he gave them a deliverer. He redeemed them, right? So he, he redeemed them from their evil ways, from the decisions that they messed up on. He heard their cry and he said, I want to redeem my people. I want to save them from their sin. And he gave him a bridge, a way to get back to him. And his name was Ehud. And we're going to talk about Ehud uh, next week. So we'd love for you to come back and learn a little bit more about what Ehud does. He's a left-handed man. But, um, <laughs> but what happens is in through the book of Judges, as well as throughout the Old Testament, what we see is the Israelites, when they would get redeemed, they would continue to climb the ladder of God's direction. I want to pursue what you want me to pursue, God, but they would constantly be looking back at what the world offers, constantly looking back at their desires. And so over time, what would happen and we see is, is that they would go back to the world and God would rescue them. Back to the world and God would rescue them. Back to the world and what would happen? God will rescue them, right? It's this constant cycle. It continued for about 3,000 years until what happened 2,000 years ago is God sent his son. Where his son came to this earth and he showed us how to love our enemies, how to rebuke sin, how to follow God. His name was Jesus. And Christ came not just for the Jews. He didn't just come for God's people, but he came for the Gentiles. He came for the Romans. He came for ones that rebuked him, those who are anxious, those who are addicted, those who are lonely or burdened, the rich and the poor. He came for all of us. And what happens in Matthew chapter 23 starting in verse 37, is Jesus returns back to this temple that David, back in the Old Testament, David sought to build, wanted a place for God to dwell. So David started this project in building this temple that went through generations, and Jesus is standing in that same temple, and he's crying out to his people, and this is what he says. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. What Jesus is saying in that moment is like, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I have sent prophet after prophet, messenger after messenger, judge after judge, angel after angel, trying to bring you back to me, understanding where life is found. I hear you crying out and I've given you away. I've redeemed you. We've brought you back and you still were not willing. He uses this, this metaphor of a hen and chicks, basically like, man, this is Christ as the hen trying to gather the chicks saying, hey, under my wings is protection. Under my wings is life. Under my wings is safety. But you continue to run out and I keep trying to bring you back and bring you back and you are not willing. And he says this in verse 38. He says, look, your house is left to you desolate. Talking about the temple. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I feel like it's, it's super easy for us to, to read these verses and talk about this, these stories and judges and, and really harshly criticize the Israelites, kind of saying, are you kidding me? He gave you chance after chance after chance. He's redeemed you time and again. He performed miracle after miracle. If I was alive back then, there is no doubt in my mind that I would believe, Right? And what we find is we are really no different than the Israelites. And this is what we tend to do, right? Again, this is our decision, our direction, allowing the world to judge our direction, judge the way that, that we handle our marriage, handle our anger, handle everything, handle our sin. This is God's direction and pursuing what he wants us to pursue in his direction. What happens is when we, we initially answer the call to, man, I want to be a Christian. I want to understand who God is. And, and we start to climb the ladder of God's will. And we, we open the Bible and we start to read about it, right? Whether you were younger when you started this, this walk or this journey in your faith, or whether you're older, whether you haven't started yet, right? What happens is, is you start this journey in this direction, understanding who is this guy that they keep praising? Who is this guy that they keep talking about? And you're interested and so you start to read scripture, you start going to church for the first time, and, and you, you start to learn about who this guy Jesus is, and you begin to pursue his direction. But what happens is, is Friday night's coming up, and you're kind of like, I ah, know I just started this whole Jesus thing, but I'm going to go out Friday night. I probably won't go out Saturday. I, I might go, I'll probably go out Saturday, but I'll be back for Sunday, I promise. I will be back at church on Sunday. And so you allow your direction to also guide you. And so then you begin to, to, Sunday comes back around and you're like, man, I wanna continue my walk in who God is. I want to learn more about what he has to say. And you learn about grace. You learn about loving your neighbor. You learn about, about extending love and grace to your enemies and, and just what that looks like. And it's so different from the world. It's so different from, from the way that we just cancel people all the time. We're like, man, we want to welcome you. We want to love you. And you're like, I'm on board. I understand that direction and I approve. I think that that is amazing. But God does not know my neighbors, right? God does not understand my family dynamic. God does not understand how irritating my spouse can be. God does not understand the coworkers that I have. And so, yes, I agree with his direction. Love your neighbor, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, all that. I agree, that's awesome. But he does not know my neighbor. There is no amount of love that can fix these people. 
You laugh, but it's true. And so it's one of those things where we get in that mindset and we're just like, man, I'm going to handle my relationships. I'm going to handle my friendships, handle my whatever the way that I want to, the way that I think is right. Yes, this is your direction. I agree. I think it's awesome, but it's not going to work for me. And so what you do is you take control and you say, I'm going to go my way. And so you continue in your, your pursuit uh, for Jesus, you continue your pursuit for God and you gain wisdom into what marriage is gonna look like, right? And whether you're married and, and trying to uphold a godly marriage or whether you're not married and trying to figure out what that looks like, you continue to understand, man, I love the picture of Christ in the church. I think that's so beautiful, right? It's being sacrificial to your spouse, being loving, being humble. I wanna be a part of that, but we're not married yet. And uh, I don't think God understands how expensive rent is, right? Like if he really knew how expensive, like the cost of living was, he'd understand why we're living together. He'd understand that it just makes sense for us, right? So I agree with his direction. Maybe when we're married, maybe when, when we're later in life, we'll start taking it more seriously and we'll start to pursue his direction. I agree with that. I think it's great. But right now, it just doesn't work for us. So as you grow and you continue to learn a little bit more about God and, and you continue to climb this ladder of God's direction, you're ready to go all in. And you're just like, man, I agree with what the Bible says. I, I hear what, what happens on Sunday mornings. I've been a part of a community. I joined a small group and they hold me accountable. And I'm ready to fully call out and say, this ladder's unstable. But I'm, <laughs> I'm fully ready to, to, to call out and say, man, God, I wanna be a part of what you call me to. And so you go all in for God, but, but <laughs> what happens is, is you're like, man, I, I just don't know if I fully agree with what the Bible says. I'm like, I'm like 90% there. Majority of what the Bible says, I think is great. I'm all for it. But there's that 10% that like when people ask me about it and I don't have a straight answer, I just don't really think it's right. And so I just, I just don't know if I can fully go into a relationship with God when there's just some things I don't agree with. And what you find is I can't go any higher, <laughs> right? The Bible very clearly talks about lukewarm Christians that call themselves Christians, say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but still continue to live their own way. And so you're faced with a choice. So what happens is you either have to go all into what God offers and God's direction, God's purpose. I wanna love what he loves. I wanna hate what he hates. I wanna be in full relationship with who God is, or I have to make a choice. Do I not really agree with, this whole Christianity thing? Do I not fully believe that God is who he says he is and I'm just gonna live out the rest of my days on this earth how I wanna live? And that's your choice. One I would advise against, but it's your choice, right? But the thing is we cannot continue to live between both ladders, both directions. It does not work. And this is what happens for a lot of people, especially I hear it a lot in youth ministry, but I see it a lot in adults as well, where what happens is, is you... Um, uh, you continue your, your direction in who God is and you continue to climb and you're like, man, I'm gonna get more plugged into a small group. I might even host. I think that'd be awesome. I wanna be uh, endowed in community. I'm gonna start volunteering, especially in youth ministry, six through 12. They're amazing. We've all been there. You don't have to lie to yourself. Come talk to me. But we've all been in that place where you're like, man, I wanna start volunteering. I wanna be all a, a part of, of who God is. I wanna continue to climb this ladder. And so what happens is we keep climbing, we keep climbing, 
And we tell ourselves and we tell other people, I just don't feel like I'm growing. I just, you know, if you look back to uh, January of 2023 to February of now, I just don't feel like I've really grown in my relationship with God. And the thing that we have to remember is look where you're standing. You still have a foot in the world. And for some people, it might just be a backup where you're like, I just want to have my foot in the world. I want to have a foot in my finances, a foot in my marriage, a foot wherever it is. Because what if this whole thing doesn't work out? And what if in doubt begins to consume you and you're like, what if it doesn't work out? I just want to make sure that I'm good. And so you leave your foot in the world. What if my anxiety picks up again? What if I begin to be anxious and this one thing that I know always helps every single time, I'm not ready to go all in for God because what if that happens? What if I get anxiety and I can't run to the thing that I know is gonna help me? It's short term, but I know it's gonna help. And you try to hold and bring sin into your growth with God and it just doesn't work. And I feel like so often we're faced with that issue, me included, right? It's very easy to try to live your life between both ladders. But the question I wanna ask you guys is, is how do we break that cycle? How do we get out of the sin cycle? How do we not allow sin to take us further than we wanna go or hold us longer than we wanna stay? I got an easy answer, don't sin. But I know that that is just not possible, right? We are human, we are going to fail, we are not God. We need God. But here's one thing, one, advice, one bit of advice I want to give you is weigh the cost of sin. Here's the thing is when we think about sin, it is our choice. We can choose to leave church today, go home and run right to the sin that has been crippling you for years, that hasn't fully let you experience who God is. And that is your choice. You are able to run to that. Again, one I would advise against, but it is your choice. But I want us to think about is before we make that choice, I want you to understand that we have the Holy Spirit that's on our side, that's able to help us with discernment, able to help us with self-control. We have the Bible, the word of God, where we're able to write that on our heart. We have each other, we have church to help us weigh that cost. And I want you to think about when we talk about sin, there's a really dumb analogy, but the best way I could think about it is I want you to think about it like a, a medication commercial. And this is what, this is what I mean. Uh, for example, one might be like arthritis, right? So let's say you have arthritis and, uh, and you're like, man, I see this commercial pop up and you see this couple holding hands as they walk slow-mo into the sunset. It could be like somebody throwing a ball to their kid and it's in slow-mo, everything's in slow-mo. And so they, they just seem happy and they're excited and you're like, man, I want that. I've been, I've been struggling with pain in my... Uh, Wherever arthritis gives you pain, and I've been, I've been, uh, I just need, I know it's somewhere at the hands, but I know that, uh, I know that that looks appealing, that looks appetizing. I don't want to struggle with this anymore, right? I don't want to, I don't want to deal with our arthritis. And what happens at the end of the commercial, in a very fast paced voice, talks about all the side effects that you might face when you take this medication. <laughs> 